I'm Judy Perlman, very glad to have you with us tonight. My guest tonight is Quentin Palfrey. We're gonna dive into some very intense uh, topics right away. The name of our episode is Protect the Vote. So we're talking about voting. Here we are in January of 2020. We're on a glide path to some really important elections. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about Quentin, but really, what we need to do is find out, ask, ask and interrogate, what is voter suppression? What is voter protection? What does it mean for us all? So Quentin is an attorney with a, a long history. He was in the Obama White House. He was a, um, the Democratic candidate for Lieutenant Governor in 2016? 2018. 2018. And um, he now is leading a national entity called the Voter Protection Corps, working with many, many other leaders across the country, as well as uh, helping us out here in Massachusetts, where he lives. So very cool show. Quentin, what is voter suppression and why do we care about it? Thanks so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Unfortunately, in our election system, um, people of color, younger people, people who move around a lot, often face obstacles to registering and voting that just aren't faced by other folks in our system. And so when I think about voter suppression, I think of it as sort of two things, right? It's a set of obstacles um, that voters face. Some of them are uh, the result of intentional efforts. So there are unfortunately folks who try to make it harder uh, for people to register and vote. And then there are a lot of other obstacles that come about um, as a result of not enough resources or other kinds of problems. Mm -hmm. So it's a really, there's an array of stuff going on. The causality is hard to, to pull apart sometimes. Yeah, and so I got interested in this area, as many people did, after the 2000 election. So if you uh, think about what happened in the 2000 election, um, you know, poor ballot design and voter confusion you know, changed the outcome, changed the course of our uh, country's history. If you think about what um, the climate crisis would look like right now or what Middle East politics would look like right now if Al Gore, as opposed to uh, George W. Bush, had won that president, uh, presidency, it would have been a very different situation. Um, and so the set of challenges um, that we faced in 2000 um, really woke a lot of people up uh, to the importance of these elections. I got involved in New Hampshire in 2004. I was the voter protection director for the Kerry campaign. Um, and at the time, um, in New Hampshire, voter protection was a really live issue um, because in the previous cycle, in 2002, the Republicans had been uh, accused of and um, uh, of engaging in a voter suppression effort where they were jamming the phone lines, um, jamming the get out the vote phone lines in uh, the Democratic Party and in an affiliated union. Um, and so we were very focused on this issue. There had also been intentional voter suppression aimed at college students. So there was an activist went into the polls and uh, challenged every student voter uh, who came into the Dartmouth polls wow. in the Hanover. Um, and the intent was not um, to actually win those challenges. It was to create long lines and chaos and delay and confusion. Um, and unfortunately, that was a successful uh, effort um, that really prevented a lot of students from voting. So we mobilized a lot of resources in 2004 uh, to try 
to uh, make it clear to students that they were entitled to vote. And we're very proud that that was um, a successful effort. It was the only state in 2004 that flipped from, uh, from a Republican state to a Democratic state. But I remember at night, um, we were sitting in the, um, the campaign headquarters in Manchester and watching on CNN as we saw these really long lines in the African-American communities in Cleveland and in Columbus, uh, which may well have cost uh, John Kerry the election, but also was this real affront to our democracy when the color of your skin determines how long you wait in line or how hard it is to vote. It's really um, under, uh, uh, undermines our election system. I mean, I, I'm going to sound really naive, but I think I spent most of my time growing up sort of trusting the systems were in place to make sure things were fair, access was equal, stuff like that. And uh, I guess the work that we've been talking about, just it's really a deep, deep problem. And as you say, some of it is intentional and, 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 and others is sort of a lack of capacity, a lack of resources. But, but I think I think we've reached a dangerous place in our democracy, where a lot of people ju um, justifiably feel like our elections are no longer reflecting um, what voters want to have happen. Some of that is that uh, two of the last uh, five elections, um, the person who won the popular vote didn't end up winning the presidency. Some of it is gerrymandering. Some of it is campaign finance issues. Some of it is voter suppression. But I think we've reached this point where our election systems are not working very well. And that's even setting aside uh, the question of foreign interference in our elections. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I think it's really important that we take a series of steps um, to reclaim our democracy. One of them is fighting against voter suppression. Um, and uh, some of the work that we're trying to do uh, with the Voter Protection Corps in terms of identifying the kinds of challenges that voters have faced in the past and trying to target solutions of that. But I also think there's a whole series of other um, uh, steps that we can take, um, both in our legislatures and our elections um, and in our communities to try to make our democracy work better again. Well, I think it's a very interesting notion that um, it's very simplistic in a way. Where did it go poorly? Let's look at what happened there and really diagnose. Was it incompetence or was it intention? And then crafting a new solution for that place, but also pulling those lessons out to share them elsewhere, kind of a meet the problem solvers approach. I think that's entirely right. So every election cycle, so this is the fifth presidential campaign um, that I've been involved in this set of issues. And every year um, we recruit, train, and deploy tens of thousands of lawyers um, to be election day monitors. Um, and uh, most cycles, there's also some post-election uh, litigation. And those are very important efforts um, and uh, we're gonna need to do uh, those things again. But one of the things that we've learned um, is that a lot of the challenges that come up on election day are not solvable on election day. A lot of the things that cause those problems actually happened earlier. So if you think about um, uh, the Bush v. v. Gore race or even Andrew Gillum's race last year in Florida, um, the ballot design problems didn't happen on election day and couldn't be solved in post-election litigation. Those were problems um, that uh, were decided a year out. When you see a three or four hour 
uh, line in an African-American community, um, you can do some things on election day to try and make that easier to solve those problems. But a lot of the circumstances that led to that happened almost a year in advance. Either they allocated enough resources um, to have enough poll workers, to have enough machines, to have enough parking, or they didn't. Either political decision makers uh, made it harder for people to vote, uh, or they didn't. And so a lot of the interventions um, that are going to be most successful in solving these problems have to happen uh, now uh, and in the next six months um, in order to be effective in making sure that this fall's election is free and fair. Yeah, so we have to go upriver. We have to be sort of projecting forward what could go wrong based on what's happened in the past. Yeah. Um, so we were also talking about how there are a bunch of layers of this. There is uh, problematic stuff that happens in the legislatures. There's problematic stuff that happens at the polling places. There are problematic communications messages that goes go out. And um, what were we, we were talking about? Anyway, there, it's th this layered thing. It's all kinds of things. And you and your partners are really working on all fronts at the same time. Yeah, I think that's entirely right. I mean, I think that the kinds of challenges that voters have faced um, in different jurisdictions are quite different. So if you think about last year's elections in Georgia, um, Stacey Abrams lost uh, the governor's race um, as a result of a series of things that were not fair. And I think that if every voter had had the ability uh, to register and vote freely, she would be the governor of Georgia. Um, you saw a number of voter purges um, that were um, had a discriminatory intent. You had the Secretary of State of Georgia was running for governor and was able to manipulate uh, his office for electoral gain. Um, and you also had some uh, decisions that were made uh, that had uh, an argument that it was about resources, but really uh, felt like it was a pretext. So they can't. They closed um, some polling locations in African American communities, but left open polling locations in white communities and made it very much harder for people to get to the polls. And so if you look at the particular circumstances of one election, uh, you need to go in and try and solve those problems. But those problems are quite different from what we expect to run into in New Hampshire or Pennsylvania or Nevada are quite different from the kinds of challenges that are raised um, by uh, foreign interference in our election. You know, the Russians uh, in the last cycle hacked into um, a number of uh, voting databases and into the DNC's records. So as you're trying to figure out how to head off the problems that are likely to come this fall, you need to be very specific about where the problems are likely to come up and target your solutions to those problems. Yeah. Okay, so we've unpacked the problem. There are a lot of problems. There are a lot of facets of the problems, and there are a lot of lenses to look through to see and diagnose those problems. So now let's take a breath. This is Meet the Problem Solvers. Uh, my guest is Quentin Palfrey, and we're talking about protecting our vote. And now we're going to talk about some of the solutions that you and others have um, created and are rolling out. And, um, and of course, we're going to also talk about what does it mean for us? How can we be part of the solution? But so, Quentin, tell us about some of the solutions that you have rolled out or that 
need to be in place for all of us. Sure, that's right. So um, I think there are a bunch of different layers to this. One of them that I'm focused on is trying to identify through data um, and by uh, deploying some of the lawyers who have been involved in this over a number of years um, to try and identify the places that are most likely to have problems and try to debug those uh, problems in advance and try and solve those problems. But I think um, there are a whole bunch of different things that we can do to make our democracy more fair. So uh, tomorrow in Massachusetts, there'll be a lobby day for something called um, election day registration. So this is a set of rules that allows you um, not to have to register well in advance of election, but actually to show up on election day. If you're entitled to reg register, you should be able to register that day and vote. Um, this is an important reform. Um, it's been um, in place in 21 states in DC. Uh, it's not in place in Massachusetts and really ought to be. Uh, recently we passed uh, something called automatic voter registration, uh, which uh, takes on the same set of problems, automatically pulling people into the voting system uh, when they interact with a number of different um, uh, government services. And that's a very important reform. We should have early voting for all elections and make it easier for people who can't be around on election day um, to vote over a longer period of time. So there are a number of legislative efforts that we can enact. Um, and the number of states are trying to to enact. Um, but I also think that we should invest in, um, in, in our local communities as well. Um, so if you think yeah. about one of the things, uh, so you know, when I woke up uh, the morning after Trump was election, uh, elected, I was devastated. Um, but it wasn't just that we had lost the presidency, right? Over the course of a couple of decades, uh, we had also lost the Senate and the House and the governorships and the state legislatures and the courts. And this came about as a result of a series of um, uh, elections where the Republicans invested in local races, in down-ballot statewide races. And as we think about how we're going to claw our way out of the mess um, that we're in and the real very significant significant challenges to our democracy, you know, the first thing that needs to happen is that we need to uh, defeat Donald Trump, but we also need to um, invest in local races. Um, you saw over the last couple of uh, cycles more diverse candidates, more women candidates, more first-time candidates, more first-time voters. And I think it's really important for us to think about investing in our local races, in our local democracy, uh, in some of our down-ballot races, and making sure that we're engaged at that level as well. That is a really, really smart perspective. And one of the things you talked about was when there is one party or another is really in power, they get to make the secretary of state designation, or maybe that's an elected thing, whatever. But if that, if, if that secretary of state is all in to skew the election results, that state is in really big trouble. Yeah, I think that's right. Local election uh, officials have a very important role to play. Um, many of them are the heroes of democracy, but some of them do put their thumbs on the scale um, to make it harder for people to register and vote. And so those races are very important. Um, it's also, you know, there's a series of things that I think have gone wrong for our democracy recently. So gerrymandering um, and some of the work that uh, Eric Holder and um, the Obama for America folks in the National um, Redistricting um, 
effort are focused on is reversing some of the really insidious impact of uh, some of the gerrymandering. Um, our campaign finance laws are um, very skewed towards uh, wealthy people and wealthy corporations. Unfortunately, um, Citizens United and Buckley versus Vallejo uh, make it very hard to change some of those uh, rules without um, a long period of time uh, in terms of appointing judges and confirming uh, judges, although there are some important steps that we can take at the local level to reverse Citizens United. But it is an, a, an integrated set of challenges. And unfortunately, the Republicans have been very strategic, at least at the national level, um, in employing um, these strategies to make it harder uh, for people to vote and to have their um, their voices heard. Um, one other one I was involved, so as you mentioned, I was in the Obama White House. And prior to being in the Obama White House, I was the Deputy General Counsel for Strategic Initiatives in the Commerce Department. And I was there at the time that we were enacting um, the 2010 Census. And the Census is this extraordinarily important effort um, because it's very hard um, to actually find and properly count everyone. Um, and a number of the people who are hardest to count are also the people who are politically most disenfranchised. So we, um, we went to great lengths to make sure that we could find um, people of color, younger people, people who move around a lot, people who are homeless. Um, and unfortunately, this cycle, it seems like the Trump administration is really devoted um, to trying to make it harder um, for the really excellent uh, civil servants within the U.S. Census Bureau um, to run a census that is going to count everybody. And unfortunately, what happens as a result of that um, is that there are a huge number of uh, resource allocation decisions that flow and electoral uh, consequences that flow from the count. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were just talking about the census and before that we, you know, I actually want to go back and ask you to unpack a term that I, I think I know what it means, but maybe not everybody does, which is gerrymandering. I know it has even a funny the origin of the term. But gerrymandering is so powerful. Take us, just unpack this, that for us a little bit, if you don't mind. Sure, so um, the, the, the concept of gerrymandering is that um, when legislatures are drawing the lines um, for where a district begins and ends, um, they sometimes do it in a way that protects their own incumbency advantage. So instead of trying to fairly apportion the districts across the state, they try to make certain of the districts um, be very lopsided in terms of a racial group or in terms of a political group. And to do that, they often will draw very strange um, shapes. So it looks like a salamander. And, and, and so there's mm -hmm. sometimes the notion of, of gerrymandering is tied to that. Um, but if you think about um, Doug Jones, right? Doug Jones uh, recently won a Senate race in Alabama. Um, he beat a uh, Republican incumbent who had been accused of, um, of pedophilia. And um, the, he won the US Senate race 
um, but he lost, uh, but he would have lost um, all but one of the congressional seats because they're so heavily wow. uh, stacked. Uh, wow. And so, um, you know, these this is a very insidious effort. Unfortunately, um, what what's required to do that is you have to take back um, the state legislatures um, and make sure that the people in the state legislatures are committed to uh, allocating the districts in a fair way, or you have to pass a legislation that allows for a nonpartisan redistricting commission that will allow for that. But what, what ends up happening as a result of gerrymandering um, is that there is um, an echo chamber effect. So take all of these Republicans um, in the US Congress who have recently voted um, with Donald Trump in the impeachment proceedings. Um, it's very hard um, to find Republicans who will stay in the party and vote against Trump. And part of the reason for that um, is because these districts are so um, gerrymandered that they have uh, a, you know, they, they have uh, incentives um, that draw are derived from districts that are drawn in this these very radicalized way. They only need to satisfy their base as opposed to the broader electorate because their districts are drawn in that way. Wow, wow, that's really that's really amazing. So we have to work on local uh, representation and help local candidates of all persuasions get into places and then we have to sort of prioritize we have to ask them to prioritize fair voting revisiting gerrymandering i guess i remember in massachusetts it's not a simple thing to redistrict it has to go through a bunch of hoops so unless you have people committed to a fair and honest process either you're not going to get into it or it's just going to go off into a committee. Yeah, so I mean, I think that th this set of issues can be really overwhelming, right? We, um, I think a lot of us have been very depressed about the way that politics has felt over the last few yeah. years. Yeah. And I think it's very easy to get overwhelmed and to think that there's nothing that you can do. And I think that one of the most important things that you can do is get involved at your local level. Right, city council races, state, uh, you know, state representative races, down ballot statewide races are often things um, that can be um, affected by citizen engagement. So last. Uh, uh, in, in the last cycle, we had a Boston City Council race that was determined by one vote. Um, the, um, I was involved in 2016 uh, with the effort to elect um, U.S. Senator uh, Maggie Hassan. Um, she won by about 900 votes in um, New Hampshire. And as a result of that, um, there was, you know, if you remember the Obamacare vote, the ACA vote, um, came down to one U.S. Senate race. So 900 votes in New Hampshire um, may have determined um, the survival of Obamacare, at least in that, in that one vote. And so I think that it's important um, for us not to despair um, and not to give up on um, our ability to influence these, uh, these outcomes. But I think the most effective way um, to be engaged is to be engaged at your local level, to be engaged in local races, yeah. to pick candidates um, that you support, um, give them some money, give them some time, um, and help them out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I just want to say that it is overwhelming. I know a lot of people who are really just almost 
like traumatized. I mean, they're just, just it's really hard to stay engaged. Every time you move your mouse, there's something new. So I think it's really great. I really appreciate that as a takeaway, you're saying there are things that you can do. And part of it is getting involved in local elections. And I think part of it also is following this issue. Um, we'll put up our slide in a couple of minutes to uh, invite people to visit our Facebook page, but on there you will see a link to Quentin's um, organization called the Voter Protection Corps. There's a lot of interesting information on there. They're doing a lot of interesting things. If you want to get involved either professionally or as a um, donor, this is the thing to do, is to find people working on these issues um, nationally, but also very much locally. Yeah, I think that's entirely right. And, and so um, it's voter-protection.org. We'd love to um, get you involved in our efforts. Um, but uh, I also think it's, it's really important for us to see that our democracy is under attack. Um, and we need to get to a place um, where um, the color of your skin and your age and where you live um, isn't what determines whether you have access to um, the most important of our democratic rights, which is the right to register and vote and have our vote count. And I think that we're underreacting to some extent um, to the threats that we face to our democracy. Um, and uh, so I, I think we all need to step up and make sure that uh, we can um, make, our, make our elections fair. These are really scary times. These are really scary times. And um, yeah, we have to not, we have to fight that sense of overwhelm and just like, oh, can't deal with it anymore. I mean, I really know people who don't listen to the radio anymore. It's, it is overwhelming. And yet it is our call to action as Americans and as people who care about representation and inclusion. So that's, I, I, I was so happy to sort of my, find my way to you because I think this is a really important conversation to be having. Um, yes, this is Cambridge Community Access TV, so it's probably not the, uh, a lot of people are probably in agreement with Quentin and his politics, but these are messages we have to take out. We have to work, we have to donate money, we have to really get uh, very serious about this, this work. So, yes, well, yeah, thank you. I'm yeah. thrilled to be on and would love yeah. to stay, uh, stay engaged. Yeah, with you. stay connected. Well, I really want to thank you. This has been really fun and interesting. We're going to now put up our slides so that folks can um, come to our Facebook page and react to, st uh, to what we've talked about here. Please ask your questions. There's a link there to voter-protection.org. Um, but there are other resources that we can also point you to. Um, please. I, I have to tell you how Quentin came here. Somebody told me, I think this guy is so smart and so cool. If you know somebody who should be on this show because their story has to get out, please visit us on Facebook uh, or send an email to meettheproblemsolvers at gmail.com and um, let us know who, who else we need to be hearing from. So again, Quentin, thank you very much. I wish you all the luck in the world. Are you going to be sleeping between now and November? No, there's, a, there, there's, there's a lot to do, but I think there's this a is a very do. important uh, election, and it's important for us yeah. to, um, you know, to, to take this head on. So. Well, I think it's, um, it, it's very valuable work, and thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Thanks to everybody who uh, is caring as much as we do about this, this election season and the state of our nation. It's, um, it's kind of ours to fix. It's kind of ours to invest in. 
So find guys like this. Work, do, do this kind of work. Thanks, thanks so much for tuning in. We would love to have you in, involved. Um, and please come to uh, www.voter-protection.org. And thank you so much for having me on, Gina. Yeah, it's a very interesting conversation. Thanks a lot.